0: whether it's for young and fresh wines, or for those with ageing potential. As technical director of Conte Toro in Chile, Marcel Papa oversees the production of millions of bottles of commercial wine, as well as some of South America's most prestigious reds and whites. Listen to us chat about his Italian roots, what he learned from working in California, the terroirs of the Maipo Valley, and why a psychiatrist advised him to give up golf. Hi Marcelo, how are you? Hi Tim, how are you? I'm really well. Uh, it's lovely to hear your voice, and I think you're back in Chile. Every time I bump into you, it seems to be in an airport. You're flying somewhere,
1: right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, a li- a little bit, uh, and this year uh, mainly uh, I did it uh, six times, yeah. uh, but it was really good because after two, or three years with the COVID, mm. I think
0: it's uh, really nice to came back and fly again. Yeah, no, it's great. And you've just been in New York, haven't you? Was that for the New York Wine Experience? Yes, exactly. I, I I
1: participate from the uh, One Spectator New York experience, and it was great. I think it was uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. And
0: listen, I'm looking forward to seeing you in Chile soon in December. One of the reasons I'm looking forward to seeing you is because you make the best coffee in Italy. Now, Sorry, not in Italy, in, in Chile. And there's a reason for that. It's because you're of extraction, uh, Italian extraction. Just tell us where, where the Papas came from, because most, most Chileans are Spanish in origin rather than Italian, aren't they?
1: Yeah, that is true. That is true. Chile has a a very strong influence from Spanish people Mm. that arrived 200, 300 years ago. But there are also a a quite nice, interesting uh, amount of Italians. Mm. Uh, Most of them are coming from the Liguria, so Genoa. My wife is coming from there. Mm. Uh, But my family is coming from uh, very, very diverse, from my mother's size. Our, my grandfather is coming from Modena, mm. and from my uh, father's side, my grandmother is coming. She came from Alba in Piemonte. Okay, yeah. so very
0: interesting. So you're third generation uh, Chilean, really? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Third, yeah,
1: yeah. And, I'm, grand-
0: I'm, were your grandparents involved in wine? If they were in Alba, presumably they, they they drank Barolo or something. But I mean, did they have vineyards? Um, I
1: you know that I never talk. Uh, that type of things with with my grandmother because uh, she died uh, many times ago and probably I didn't get the at that time the the obsession for wine mm-hmm. but uh, what I'm hearing from my mother is that from my my mother's size the the one that came from Modena mm-hmm. uh, they do wine in in that area and also they we they arrived into Capitan Pastene, which is a, oh. a colony, a tiny colony, in uh, very close to Trigen, in seven hundred kilometers south of uh, I, of Santiago, right?
0: I've been there. It's an amazing place. It's like a little piece of Italy, and, and wasn't yes, exactly. I think the, the colony was named after the the captain of the boat that they came on, isn't that right? It was called Capitan Pastene, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and today uh, some. Some very good friends and, and relatives. Uh, they have a restaurant. They have a. They do a, a factory of prosciutto, and uh, so next time uh, I could contact you.
0: Uh? That sounds like a good idea. But, I mean, just was wine part of your life growing up? Because I mean, Italians just you know they drink wine. Wine is is a food almost for Italians. Was that the same? Was that true for you as a kid when you were growing up with your parents? Um,
1: oh, yes, I think that in my it's quite curious because in the table, in, at home, always it, it was a, a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. But those days, imagine when I got 10 years, probably, or 15 years in the 70s, uh, or late 70s, mm-hmm. my father got all the time a garrafa of mm-hmm. wine of five liters. Wow. Right. And then he bottled in six, seven, seven fifty bottles. Uh and then he mixed the white wine with soda, which <laughs> was very, very classic. And and all my in, in the Stadio Italiano, which is the part of the colony where, where we go and when we do a sport, all the Italian guys do that. And they they, they mix uh white wine, uh <laughs> <laughs> which no variety, no place, no nothing, and with soda. And, <laughs> Brilliant. And that, that was part of, of the story.
0: And, and when did you decide you wanted to be a winemaker? Because you went to the Catholic University in Santiago, but you studied agricultural engineering, not enology. Is that right, to start with?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that the, I never thought that I will study enologies. Um, I went to the university, focus on fruity culture. Chile has amazing uh, diversity and quality to produce uh, fruit, uh, fruit like table grape cherries uh, whatever and um, blueberries whatever and so I when I go I, I get focus on that uh, but then uh, when I was in uh, in the university there are some courses of way making an analogy mm. and I decided to get it but just for knowledge, just because I really want to know something about wine. And well, it captured me and and then uh, I'm here.
0: (laughs) So what was your first job in the wine industry? Where did you go first?
1: I I think I was very, very lucky because um, my first, not my first job, but my first trainee, because in the university I took Enology One and if you want to pass to enology two, you need you need to make a trainee, mm. and that trainee I did it in the classic cousinho Macul winery. Yeah. That, imagine, in the late eighties, it was the brand mm. of Chile. So it was for me amazing to work for, for in one month mm. in Consigno Macul with the park, with the old cellar, mm. with the cap. Well, it was fantastic. So at that time, I said, "Okay, wine is it's my it's my life."
0: And that was it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and when did you join Conchitoro? Was that your first real job after university?
1: I have two eras in Conchitoro. My first job was in Emiliana in 1983. Uh, I worked 1983, 95. In Emiliana, then I move and I work for an American company. I work in California, in Chile, for Kendall Jackson, and then come back and I joined again Contidoro in 1998. At the end of 1998.
0: Okay, so you've had two two times two yes. two terms, as we say in English. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and I mean, so so you you got back there in 98, and then you. Took charge of Marqués de Casa Concha, didn't you? Uh, the next year, just tell us a little bit about that brand because it was kind of your your baby, wasn't it? You developed the brand and made it what it is today.
1: Yeah, Marqués de Casa Concha is a brand team that uh, was born in 1972 mm. with a red wine from the Puente Alto vineyard, mm. and uh, it was just a red wine, non-mentioned Cabernet so Sauvignon, nothing, um, and then. When I took Marquez in 1989, I, I I was coming from Californian from a Californian school, mm. where fruit it's it's very obvious. Uh, we try to do wines that uh, you capture immediately the fruit character, the sweet tannins, and maybe very easy fruit forward style. Mm. And at that time, until in 1988, probably not all the wines. Got that type of style, so uh, I push Marquez on that way. Also, we diversify a little bit, not just with Cabernet. We go with other varieties, mm. and I think that was very success because when people talk about this wine has cherry flavors, cedar, mm. um, blueberries, or whatever, and then you smell it, you don't get nothing of of what the people is telling you is telling you. It's very frustrating. And I think with Marquez, with this Californian approach in terms of fruit, consumers, uh, if we said it has cherry, the wine smell, and it's.
0: And it had it. Yeah. It
1: had it because we picked the grapes more mature and all that. And after that, I think that in the last 10 years, we are doing with Marquez a more contemporary uh, brand in terms of picking earlier. And and getting a, um, a much more balance as the balance that we get uh, twenty years ago, but
0: and, yeah, and also the move to Limerie for Chardonnay was that part of the of the yes. project, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah.
1: All, all that kind of things. So I think that uh, we put a lot of focus on on the origins. Uh, it's a brand with a sense of origin very very strong. And today, I think it's, I think it's very modern in style.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, two thousand seventeen, you became technical director. You're arguably the most important winemaker in the Chilean wine industry, you know, making these huge volumes of wine that you're in charge of. Um, how does the job differ now? Are you doing less winemaking, more travel, a bit more PR, a bit more marketing? Are you, are you still hands-on in the winery?
1: Yeah, I think, Tim, in 2017, when I talked with Eduardo, Eduardo Gilisastic, which is the CEO uh, for Contidoro for, I don't know, more than 30 years or almost 40. Uh, one of one of my thought or condition, not not condition, because it's not a condition, is that okay? I took this big airplane mm. uh, as conchitoro or, or buque, but I need to uh, keep going, vinify uh, and doing wine. So mm. today I I do less winemaking, making, mm. but more focused. I'm very focused on the Limari region, yeah, with Amelia with Marques wines, and I focus on Maipo. Hmm. And Rapel and Maule region, I live for the for people like Marcio and Hector, hmm. great winemakers in the in the company, hmm. and and yes, of course, I do more PR, uh, but but still I'm doing wines and very very focused on that. Okay, and you have your own
0: vineyard, don't you? A little vineyard of your own?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I planted in 2017. Uh, really tiny vineyard uh, here in Maipo, six hectares and maybe in the future we do something, it's going to be for the, for how do you say, the jubilee.
0: huh? Yeah, when you retire, jubilee, when you retire. Could exactly. be your jubilee as well, I don't know really. But. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit more about, about Conchitoro, because it's the biggest winery in Chile. It also makes some of the best wines, I should say, which is not always the case with big wineries. I mean, what are the advantages and disadvantages of working in a winery that, that big? I mean, can big be beautiful? Yeah,
1: uh, I was thinking in that question that you do and I think that uh, it's a super good questions. Um maybe one one advantage that uh, that we have in the Contidoro is that Contidoro is a it is a very success company. It grows a lot in the last uh, maybe 20 years and give us as a from the technical point of view an amazing opportunity for the enological team to Go discover and think new areas where we could grow. So, we go to Limari, we go to Ropel Coast. So, if today we are looking back, I think we we discover a lot of areas and uh, we are doing many many good things. I think so. That is a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good uh, it's a great thing and a, a kind of disadvantage is sometimes. Um, all the projects are measured by how many cases are you selling. Yeah. So yeah. the and, and not all the project could measure by the name, but the number of cases. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that we need to work. And at the end, uh, normally people said small is beautiful. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. But also, I think in a company like Contidoro uh, Biggest, it could be beautiful too because it's a company... It's a very familiar company. Mm. We have direct contact with the owners. Mm. Uh, we, we, the company's success or not success just for how we do with wine. Mm. And that's put uh, extra effort uh, in order to do everything very, very good. So mm. I think it's a great company. Mm.
0: And it doesn't own other businesses like telecommunications or no. anything like that. No, no. It's, it's, oh, it's only wine, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's that's very important, isn't it? I mean, many of the people listening to this will be big fans of Casiero del Diablo Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, I don't know how many millions of bottles you make of that, but it's an incredible wine, you know, and it's always one of those wines that if you see it on a wine list or you see it in a supermarket, you know you're going to get a good bottle of wine. I just wonder how difficult it is to make a wine like that, that that size of blend. What's the secret of making so many millions of litres of something that consistently in that well?
1: Well, it's quite interesting because Casillero, uh, total number, uh, we do 7 million cases
0: of Casillero. Wow, cases. How many bottles is that? Times 12.
1: Yeah, 80 million, more or less. 80 million (laughs) bottles. It's it's an ocean. It's an ocean of wine. Yeah. And the Cabernet Sauvignon, which is the flak, um, we do 2.3 million. Um, I think... Three things, probably. One, we put a lot of focus in the company with Casiero. It's a brand that we really love internally in the company. Second one, uh, we have very good vineyards, uh, own estates, and long-term pro- uh, contract with the growers. Uh, if, you, if you don't do that, it's impossible to do a, a good wine. And third, I think that uh, we have a, a great uh, team of winemakers with a lot of experience, like Marcio Ramirez and mm-hmm. Hector, Hector Ursula, myself, mm-hmm. th- that we do everything more simple, direct, easy. And at the end, we get the results. And I think that and the Cabernet 2021 is, I don't know, probably, I don't know if it's the best as we did it, but I really love the 2021, yeah. it's fantastic.
0: No, I I think it's one of the best value wines in the world. I mean, it's a fantastic Mm. wine. No, it's it's absolutely amazing. amazing. I mean, you haven't mentioned one member of your of your team who is the incredible Ignacio (laughs) a bit of a Chilean legend. I mean, he's been—I don't know—he's been—he's been been making wine for as long as I've been writing about wine. That's a long time. What What have you learned from Ignacio over the years? Because you know he's very, very experienced, but he's he's quite a character. He's a really individual guy.
1: Yeah, Ignacio, it. That kind of, uh, is a great guy, uh, has a lot of experience. Uh, today, he's a consultant for us. And Ignacio, we call it in, in Chile, in Spanish, it's a loco lindo.
0: Right? He's a beautiful, crazy, crazy man. Yeah. Right, he's a,
1: <laughs> a pretty crazy, something like that. <laughs> no, I think that um, I learned a lot of things from Ignacio. One, it's a, it's a great guy uh, from the heart. Um which is very important and and then from the uh, from the technical perspective, I learned something very strong from Ignacio that he really believes in a in one single area and one single vineyard and and uh, he's when he's convinced that from that block or from from that vineyard he will get a great quality he did the biggest effort every single year to get the best from that vineyard. Mm. And if some year the wine is not coming as perfect as mm. as he expects, mm. he is still believing in the place and in the wine because it's coming from that vine. Yeah. So I think that it's it's very important for me because when you are in front of a good place, you need to believe on that place. Yeah. And I think that the commitment uh, and the obsession for quality that Ignacio has is
0: is very unique, and he's been very instrumental in developing historically Casablanca, obviously yes. with Sauvignon Blanc and other things, uh, but also Peumo, really with with yes. you know, with with with, with Carmin, um, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. He does focus on places and gets the best out of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. If if he believe in in the Sauvignon Blanc from Casablanca, the coolest area, any other Sauvignon Blanc that you could show,
0: <laughs> it's not going to be as no, right? good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. T- tell us a little bit about Don Melchor, which is your your icon Bordeaux blend. Really, uh, it's got its own winemaker, Enrique Tirado, who's fantastic. How involved do you get? Do you get with with Don Melchor? Is that something that you oversee? No, no.
1: It's a different. Uh, it's a different story. in Enrique Tirado, where also we studied together at the Catholic University. Yeah. So I know Enrique for many, many years. Yeah. And he leads Don Melchor. We give some support in terms of contedoro, uh, bottlings and and other things. But en- uh, Enrique is in charge of the vineyard and also is in charge of the vinification winif- and the blends, hmm. and um, and that's it. Uh, of course, Enrique, we work together in the same winery, in the same Puente Alto facility, so we know each other and we taste together. But uh, he leads Domelton. He
0: he does the whole thing on his own. I mean, you're currently sitting in the Maipo Valley. Your house is in the Maipo Valley. You work in the Puente Alto sub-region. Just tell us what makes that region so special, particularly for Bordeaux varieties. Just tell us a little about the factors that influences terroir in terms of soil and the mm-hmm. and where the Andes is and the rivers and uh, all the things around it.
1: I think very simple, team, um, two things. One is the Andes, the influence of the Andes. Puente Alto, Maipo in general, but more focused Puente Alto. It's a bigger area. Located in between six hundred to seven hundred meters over the sea level, and we have just in front of us the Andes Mountain, that some peaks could arrive at five thousand or six thousand uh, meters.
0: So, and they're very close, aren't
1: they? Uh, very close. We are right on the foothills, yeah. and you you could feel the influence of the Andes on on Mountain. So, and the Andes moderate the temperature uh, dramatically. So, in in a day that could be very, very warm in San, in Chile, in the Maipo region, we will get maybe 32, 33 as maximum for a short period of time. And then the next morning, the temperature go down to 10. Yeah. So that, I think, that give some particular, particularly freshness, uh, quality on the tannins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we never get a kind of overripe, uh, fruit, which is very important, and the second one is uh, the soil. Uh, the uh, Puente Alto is the, located in the third terrace on the north bank of the Maipo River, and um, it's a it's a textbook uh, soil for Cabernet Sauvignon. Very gravelly. You 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 can't make mistake with this soil. It's uh, it's you can't you right? can't you can't yeah. is yeah. it's a combination. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Hmm?
0: Yeah. Uh, very interesting. T- t- I mean, we talked a little bit about Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, uh, also Chardonnay, you've mentioned, and Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, those are kind of the big four in Chile, aren't they? They dominate plantings. Is Chile becoming more, more diverse? I, I mean, in which varieties do you think have the most potential? Are they historic varieties, you know, things like Pais, Muscat, Semillon, um, or are they new things that the people are planting now?
1: Well, I think that uh, you are part of the story. Uh, team (laughs) (laughs) because you and and other guys pushing us to go and diversify areas more growers tiny growers uh, different varieties it's a process and I think that uh, just Chile is not just the big four I think that uh, and it's not just uh, Maipo and Rabel or Maule I think that uh, they are doing fantastic. Uh, I think which is happening with the data, with the with the Pais. I think it's, it's amazing. Uh, today, they are very nice Pais. Probably, we need more time uh, to introduce that type of wines uh, into the consumers because they are opposite if you compare with the Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are uh, a great story there. I think the Carignans all... All, all the Vino Vino wines are also very interesting.
0: So Vino is a group of producers in in Maule, isn't it? Promoting Carignan, yeah. for people Promoting who don't
1: know. Carignan, right? So I think that uh, there is yeah. space for everybody, for different varieties, different style, much more area. I think that uh, twenty or thirty years ago we was concentrating two hundred kilometers, mm. doing Cabernet Sauvignon, and today we're doing grapes in Chile from one thousand seven hundred kilometers from. Atacama to yeah. Puerto Montt, or even more. So uh, Cabernet, we can grow in, in in all the place. Cabernet, we, we need to grow here, in Maipo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, Chile switched to, to importing French grapes, didn't it, in the 19th century, and things that were French became very fashionable with the new wealth that came from, from mining, especially in Chile. But the older plantings are of things like, you know, we've mentioned pais and muscat. Um, these were the old Spanish grapes that were there for hundreds of years before the French grapes arrived. Do you think Chile's rediscovering a little bit of its Spanish past? I mean, n- not its Italian past so much, its Spanish past.
1: Yes, exactly, definitely. Definitely, because as you said, uh, before arriving the, the French varieties, it was just a sp- Spanish varieties, mm. so so I think that uh, the 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 thing team is how we could go and sell uh, successful varieties uh, that are not the big four. Mm. Uh, I think that that because when you put in a bottle Cabernet Sauvignon, many people recognize that and go. Mm. When when you put Vino, probably it's the it's a more niche, right? Mm. So uh, we need to uh, discover the way to promote and to sell to sell all that that kind of variety and other varieties that will arrive uh, in the future. I imagine some Italian varieties like yeah. uh, I don't know Falangina, Fiano. Or, um, it could do or, like, Alianico
0: or Alianico, or you know, they're there. Yeah. there are not they? In, 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 exactly, in Chile, exactly.
1: Yeah. Could do. I think we could do great. The thing yeah. is how how we will how you sell. Them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Maybe you, as a white wine or a red wine and a different. Yeah. Well, it's
0: could, part of But you you, you you do make wine as Conchitoro in itata, don't you? With Pais, is that a rosé or do you make a red yes. as well?
1: We we are the we are we did it a different different effort. And today, which we are doing the most, is the Rosé from yeah. Sanso, uh, Casillero, and Marqués de Casaconte, uh, okay. And it's a 100% um, contact with growers, with tiny growers. So it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty things that we are doing.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you about something, something sort of more serious, really, which is climate change. When I was in Chile last year, it was it was very dry. I don't know what the weather's been like this year. I think you said it was raining yesterday, which is yes. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is that changing Chile? Do you think that people are going to be planting more and more towards the south, where it's obviously cooler uh, uh, and it's wetter, and maybe going up into the Andes, where it's higher?
1: It's a it's a good question. Um, I think what I what is going on in Chile. Them of the climate change, is that we are receiving less and less and less uh, rain. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be a fact in terms of temperature, because we have the Pacific Ocean, we have the Andes Mountains, so it, it, maybe it's it going to change a little bit the temperature, it's going to move up a little bit the, the temperature in the future, but I don't think that that is going to be the biggest effect. The big effect is the source of water, mm. and I think that in Chile we have the Andes. We have we have water. The thing is that we need to use uh, better the our source of water, mm. and uh, as you said, it's very important to move, start to move a little bit more in the south, mm. uh, in areas that we get more rain. If you think contidoro in the in 1990, or 20 years ago, probably 50% of the total production, or more, 70, was concentrated between Rapel and Maipo. Yeah,
0: two regions, and really.
1: Two yeah. regions and northern regions. Mm. Today, probably 50% of the production of contitoro, Toro, it's concentrated on the Maule region, where we get three times more rain yeah. uh, than, than here in Maipo. And in the future, of course, we will start to move more and more south.
0: And a lot of those vineyards in Maule are unirrigated, aren't they? Uh,
1: the, the old ones, yeah, not irrigation. The new ones, yes,
0: with okay. irrigation. Yes. Yeah. Something I've always wanted to ask you, because you know you're you're a great traveller, uh, you're a great cook. You know, you like food and wine. Is there anywhere else in the world you'd like to make wine? I mean, Italy, maybe Piemonte. Would you like to go back to where? Yes, your, of course. Your, what your one of your grandparents were from? Yeah, of course. I really like.
1: Uh, I think that too. Uh, Barolo, uh, in some of the hills of Barolo, give me one. It doesn't matter, but one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I have something very particularly with Brunellos. I think uh-huh. Brunel, Brunello Montalcino is another variety that I like uh, pretty much. The classic one with bodies, yeah. aging yeah. In, in bodies. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Do you, do you still speak Italian? A little bit. I, I used to be, but the thing is that uh, if you are not speaking, you lose. Uh, but yes, uh, in in one week or two weeks.
0: And do you still go back to Italy then, as much as you can.
1: Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And you still have family there or not?
1: No, no. My 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 grandparent when he when they came uh, they came with all the family hundred twenty hundred years ago. So no my my wife yes
0: yeah it's amazing to think of people just just leaving a country for the other side of the world you know with nothing in a lot of cases right yeah yeah yeah
1: well you need to 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 think what what is going on in europe in 19 in nineteen hundreds.
0: yeah yeah it must have been bad harvest or poverty basically yeah yeah.
1: exactly and war and, and 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 all that
0: yeah yeah I mean, you've talked about this, you know, I know you like drinking Barolo and Brunello and I've enjoyed lots of good bottles of other things with you. How important is it for a top winemaker, you're one of the world's great winemakers, to drink things from elsewhere, not to just drink your own wine all the time? I mean, which which other styles have influenced you, not just Barolo and and Brunello? Which other wines do you like drinking? And do you think, okay, that inspires me?
1: When I read this question, uh, Tim, I divided this question in two. Uh, from me, from my beginning, I think that I was I put a lot of focus on California. Uh, in some way, for what we talked before, is that when they said cherry, you smell cherry when they said so. It was very simple, very direct. And my in my beginning, California by far. Uh, but in the, in my second part of of my career. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, Burgundy, Barolo, Brunelos and the last five, seven years I recognize in Spain, in some areas in Spain, an amazing, amazing wines. Uh, after after tasting with Luis Gutierrez from The One Advocate. Yeah. This is a guy that uh, illuminates us in uh, and wines from Rias Bajas, some mm-hmm. Godelos.
0: Yeah. Are really really good. So yeah, uh, Spain is very exciting. I think it, well, it, it's. Well, you was in
1: Spain uh, yeah. th- th- three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, how,
0: for two weeks, more or less. Yeah, I, I was in Rioja for three weeks, and I was in Ribera for two weeks. So I spent I spent five weeks Spain. since September. Yeah, so I spent so, a lot of time there. Obviously, I agree with you. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 what what about winemakers? Because I know that. The Italian consultant Alberto Antonini, who obviously works in, in Tuscany, I think he's been important in your career, isn't he? In that second part of the career, I mean, what Alberto taught you?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, also, I think uh, in in this in this question there are two 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 guys from my first California Phase. side. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, Randy Ulum, of course, yeah. in terms of simplicity, direct, easy, forward. Well, that's it. And with Alberto, uh, it's another story because Alberto, it we are working for twenty one years, and uh, Alberto, one of the things that I like more from Alberto, Alberto, well, he's a great guy, of course, he's a fantastic guy. But obs- observation, I think that Alberto he observe a lot what is going around us, and he's adapting his conception of wine, life, and everything uh, through the observation. And I think sometimes in this world which is, everything is very fast, you don't have to time, you, you don't have time to observe what is going on around you. Mm. You lose or you missed many good things of the life. Mm. And I think mm. that Alberto stop, observe, and adapt his work uh, day by day, through the observation, I think, and and I think that, for me, is very important, and I try to do not as good as Alberto, probably.
0: <laughs> but, no, I agree. But I try. I try. He's a very important influence. I think he's been an important influence on me as well, and the uh, the way I think about wine and taste wine, and I think his his vision of yeah. wine is is one that I I you know I find very interesting, and and, and as as you said, very. Very thoughtful. I think, I think that's the right way of describing it. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you to look back on your career, because, you know, you've had all these phases. You had the California phase and two bits of Conchitoro. But, you know, you've been making wine a long time now. What's changed most in Chile, do you think, since the mid-1990s when you started out? Well,
1: well first, Chile's not just Cabernet. Of course, Cabernet Sauvignon is very important for Chile. It's it is very, very important. But Chile is not just Cabernet. In the 1990s, everybody talked about Cabernet, Cabernet, and Cabernet. Mm. And then is coming a kind of a change in diversification in terms of areas. Mm. As I tell you before, we were concentrating 200 kilometers from Santiago, Maipo, and Rapel area. Mm. And today we we are in more than 1,500 kilometers. So I think in terms of diversity, we are using today team the 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 great diversity that, that Chile has in terms of climates and in terms of of weather, using different varieties, planting different varieties, and also using different techniques. I think that that is the most interesting thing. And the second one is that maybe in the 90s, there are 10 brands, Mm. Conchitoro, Undurraga, Tarapaca, Santa Rita, blah, blah, 10, that's it, no more. Mm. Mm. And and today there are hundreds of tiny growers uh, that are doing fantastic wines and give us the country uh deepness diversity
0: yeah.
1: and makes a country much more richer in terms of exactly. diversity and i yeah. think that uh, that that is great
0: and do you see that continuing and you know in the next 20 years they gonna they're gonna be more small projects and things exactly like that? exactly it's yeah.
1: gonna be more and more mm. yeah by far
0: and do those small guys, you know, movements like Vino, you've mentioned, the Carignan producers, or Movi, which is a group of independent yeah. producers, or the Chanchos des Lenguados, do they influence you, the big producers, in a way as well? At the end, yes, of course. At the end, uh, I think that uh, everybody
1: influences everybody. Uh, and and people in, uh, in the Chanchos de Lenguados or Movi, they are doing, and Vino, they are doing fantastic wines too and we are tasting and say okay how good things i could take from here and to adapt in in my in my work so i think definitely
0: so so it's an exciting time for Chile, really isn't it? i mean I, I think Chile's never been as exciting as it is now i think that definitely yeah mm. definitely and, and it's going to be much more mm. yeah I th- particularly maybe with the move to the south do we think yes yeah. Yes. You know, Mayeko Osorno, maybe further south into Chilean Patagonia, yeah.
1: yeah? Yeah, I think that the, the Chilean Patagonia is amazing. Uh but we have a challenge there
0: because mm. it, it's very rainy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that uh, uh two two weeks ago I was uh, fishing mm. in the Gelto Lake, mm. which is about two hundred kilometers south of Puerto Montt. Wow. Not not as far. Yeah. But they get three meters of rain a year. Wow. <laughs> That's very three, wet. Three three times more than London.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's very wet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine now, that.
0: <laughs> I know. Look, listen, I know you like fishing. You also like extreme sports like rafting. And I I I know you get you gave up golf because it was too frustrating, didn't you? But, but <laughs> How, how do you get away from wine? How do you relax? You've got this incredibly busy job. You know, you're a very prominent figure. You're traveling all over the world. How do yeah. you relax? Cooking? Is it cooking? Making yeah. espressos for people like
1: me? <laughs> yeah, espresso cooking. Well, you know the story of the golf. No, the, I went to a psycho- psychologo. How do yeah,
0: you say it? a psychologist. Yeah,
1: psychologist. Because I, I get a lot of frustration uh, about it, and the guy said, uh, "Are you seeing?" Uh, any time a good Italian golfer? No. Well, because <laughs> that sport is for, not for Italians. It's for British guys, more thematic.
0: <laughs> so you stopped? You gave he up, I right? stop.
1: I stopped. I'm living a golf course and I don't play. <laughs>
0: That's live on a golf course and you don't play. Look out the window. <laughs> There's a golf course, right? I, and- I get
1: relaxed. I, I, I get relaxed seeing the, the guys when i'm walking and, and, they're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and are am very and are you still making noki? because i know you made noki yes. with your grandmother as a kid didn't you yeah yeah i do i do as as i do the best espresso in the country i do the best gnocchi in the country <laughs> fantastic well i've had your espresso next time i'm in chile next you- month not long away we're going to have the noki.
1: Yeah, you, you, you could ask uh, Toby Morhal. That, okay, that I'll was ask
0: Toby Morhal yes, exactly. from the Wine Society. Okay, I'll ask him if he's had your Noki. Yes, exactly. Huh? <laughs> okay. Thank you, Marcelo. It's been fantastic sharing time with you as ever. Love the wines. It's always a pleasure to see you, to bump into you around the world, often in airports, as I said, but I'll be seeing you in Chile very soon.
1: See you soon. See you, uh, Tim. Thank you very much. Ciao. Ciao.
0: Such a modest, talented, and charming guy, Marcelo. Conchie is lucky to have him. Next week on Cork Talk, my guest is the Rhone Valley legend, Michel Chapoutier. Join me then. Thanks for listening to Cork Talk. If you want to read more reports, articles and tasting notes by me, go to my website, timatkin.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tim Atkin and on Instagram at Tim MW. See you next week.